Thanks, Pastor Stevie. Man, well, guys, thank you so much for being here. This is number two. We had an eight o'clock service. Um, we were like, we, we swore we'd never do a sunrise service, and we broke the promise because we did one this morning, and uh, it was packed. At least two of the rows are, were packed. Um, <laughs> It almost felt like a COVID Sunday where, you know, I used to bring John Wayne out. If you didn't know, I had John Wayne and a couple different cardboard characters during the whole COVID crisis. And uh, it was interesting to preach to somebody who was pointing a gun at you because that's what John Wayne was doing. Um, I always finish short. That doesn't mean if you pull a gun on me, I'm going to preach short today, all right? Actually, it probably would. Um, but uh, anyhow, just glad you're here, and uh, it's going to be a great day. Again, we have got the egg hunt, so I'm going to do my best to get through seven pages of notes. Do you believe I can do it in the time allotted? Wow, best amen all day. Um, but again, if you're here for the first time, thank you so much. Um, if you didn't know it, we actually uh, are building a new facility where it should be a couple months. We're breaking ground. And so we have a new 25,000 square foot worship facility that's going to be right, basically where you're parked. And uh, so excited about that. Um, we had a really healthy building fund and uh, this, the sanctuary is going to seat about 500. So we won't have to do three services next year. Um, mark my words, maybe, right? Maybe we will have to if you keep showing up. But let's get into this. I'm going to read you this story that I read this week I thought was kind of funny. It says, a woman walked up to a little old man in a rocking chair on his porch. I couldn't, know, notice, I'm sorry, I couldn't help noticing how happy you look, she said. What's the secret of a long, happy life? And he says, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I drink a gallon of whiskey a week. I eat fatty foods and I never exercise. And she says, that is amazing. How old are you? He goes, I'm 26. Uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, back in 2005, there was a, a TV series that came out called Prison Break. Had anybody seen it? Prison Break. It was a good show. Five, five seasons long. And we watched it after the fact. We had the DVDs and, um, you know, pretty exciting watching all the cool things that were happening. And, and then after, you know, the fifth season's almost done, last episode, he dies. Do you ever have something not turn out the way you thought? Do you ever have something that you thought was, eh, he's going to live and he's going to get away with all this stuff, and it's great, and it shows a grave, and he doesn't come out. And we were like, why did we just waste five seasons of our life watching something that turned out the opposite of what TV's supposed to turn out like? Not real life, but TV. Like, we watch TV to escape real life sometimes. And the title of today's message is, is this didn't turn out the way I thought. Have you ever had that happen in life? Why do we have Easter? And most of us know what the Easter story is about. If you grew up in church, you have an idea that Easter is, is Jesus died on the cross and came out of the grave. Um, but why did that have to happen? Well, Genesis chapter 3 tells us that, that God made Adam and Eve, put them in a perfect garden, and we know what Eve did. She bit the thing that God said not to bite. Everybody, anybody ever been bit? I have a story I can tell you because we're not online. My mom tells this story. I'm not sure if it's true, but it probably is because my mom said it. But when I was little, my mom was changing my cousin's diaper, and uh, and I bit him right in the cheek. Like as a child, I bit him not in the cheek, but in the cheek. Like bit his rear end, and I can say butt because we're not online. Uh, I bit him right there. <laughs> okay, it was it was a bad thing to do. All right. In our lives, sometimes we feel like life bites us in the tail end. <laughs> like we're just doing the best we can and we get bit and we're like, okay, what's going on? And so I want to I talk today about 
When life doesn't turn out the way you thought, what do you do? How do you react to that? So let me recap this for you. I'll just read here what I wrote for the sake of time. Adam and Eve sinned, and sin had to be paid for. That's why Jesus came and died on a cross. So Jesus came to this earth to be the Messiah or the Savior. But the Israelites, okay, God's chosen people, were, were grafted in as sons and daughters. If we're not Israelites, we have a chance to get adopted into the family. They had their idea of what this Messiah would look like. Okay, the Israelites thought, because they were an oppressed people, they would get this, this ruler, this king on earth who would come and demolish the Romans, that he would, he would take over, and he would be a physical king like they had had their entire existence. They had their idea, this Messiah is going to overthrow Rome, it's going to overthrow the government. So when Jesus enters Jerusalem, as Pastor Stevie talked about last week, there's this frenzy, there's excitement. Palm Sunday, they're throwing palms down, they're throwing, they're shouting, Hosanna. And their whole thing was, Jesus is going to come and physically take over the Roman kingdom. And we get to be the kings now. We get to have a king. We get to be set free from this oppression. Jesus is healing people, throwing tables over, whipping money changers in the temple. He's not putting up with religion. He's humiliating the religious leaders of the day. And the Jewish people smell freedom and they smell victory. They have in their mind conquering king, not humble servants. But Jesus came to conquer sin, not people. This didn't turn out the way I thought. And then there's the promises. Jesus tells them he's going to be betrayed. He's going to die. He's going to come back to life. And you're all going to run. And they're like, no, we're not. We're not going to run. Peter, a matter of fact, Peter, Peter's like, I will die with you, Jesus. I will die with you. I'm not going to run. And Jesus looks at me and says, before the rooster crows today, you're going, to, you're going to deny three times that you know me. You're all going to run when it gets hard. And in Jesus' darkest hour, when he needs it the most, he's deserted and he's betrayed. If you've ever had that happen to you, if you've gone through a divorce, you've had somebody be unfaithful to you, you understand the pain of a broken promise. You understand that a promise was made to you and it was broken. That's why it hurts so much. Well, I will tell you, if you've been in that situation, Jesus knows exactly what that feels like. And he has compassion for it. He knows what it's like to have promises broken to him. You see, it's really hard to go through stuff that you didn't choose. But Jesus chose this path because we couldn't do it on our own. And that's why every day we walk in thankfulness. I was driving here this morning and the sun was just starting to come up and I had to stop and just take a picture. And I thought, Jesus, you're faithful just like the sun is. Regardless of the clouds, regardless of how dark my life may be, you are going to rise just like the sun. You're just as faithful as the sun. So Jesus told his disciples over and over again, hey, I'm gonna get betrayed. I'm gonna die on a cross. Three days later, I'm gonna come back to life. And they continued to miss it. Why is it? Because they had their own idea how things were gonna happen. Do you ever have that happen in your life? Maybe right now you're like, I, just, I had this idea of how it was going to happen and it didn't turn out the way that it should happen. I didn't see that coming. See, in the Garden of Gethsemane, again, Jesus is there. He's like, I'm going to get betrayed. You guys are going to ditch me. And then they're like, no, we won't. And then all of a sudden the crowd comes with torches and swords and clubs. And they're like, whoa, what's happening? And Jesus gets arrested and they're all in shock. They're in shock because what Jesus said was going to happen actually happened. You ever been surprised that God does a miracle? Should we be surprised when God does a miracle? We shouldn't be surprised when God does a miracle. Zach, our own guy here, had a torn ligament. We prayed for him and, and it's healed. God healed him. Should we be surprised? No, we shouldn't be surprised. We should be like, that's my God, right? We shouldn't be shocked when God keeps his word and yet often we are. This doesn't turn out the way we thought. So my question here is, what do you do when it doesn't turn out the way you thought? 
Do you give up? Do you run? Do you quit serving God? Or do you adapt and overcome? Do you say, you know what? It didn't turn out the way I thought, but we're going to get through this. Well, I'm here to tell you today that whatever it is that you're facing right now, just keep going because you'll get through it. Your job is to take one more step, not figure it out. Your job is not to understand what's going on in your life. Your job is to be obedient. And here's what I know about an obedient person. Obedient person, God blesses. God will stick with you when, you, when you're like, I just don't. Some of you right now, you're at, you're at a point in your life, you're like, you know, I just want to give up because I don't see the point. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you see the point or not. That sounds harsh. What matters is, is you say, God, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to you regardless of what I don't understand. That's what faith is. It's, it's keeping going when you don't understand. So when your plan doesn't pan out, know that God's plan does. And that's the benefit of serving Jesus. Here's what the disciples were. They were so convinced that their way was right that they couldn't handle the change. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're so convinced that you're right that you can't even see that there's possibly another perspective. Right? We do the married life, life group next week. If you struggle with that, come to our house. We'll let you know how to do it. And I will tell you, 28 years of wonderful marriage, it still happens. <laughs> You're like, the longer I'm married to you, the less I know who you really are. Like, <laughs> thought I knew you, but you keep changing. It's a fun thing. See, they went from, we'll die with you, Jesus, to we don't think you're the Messiah anymore. Because that's what happens when you read the end of the story. They're all like, they ditch. They're out of there. They're like, we, we thought he was the Messiah, but now he's dead. You see, people who learn to adapt learn to overcome. So here's the scene. Jesus is betrayed and he's arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. He's hauled off illegally um, because there's a, he has this trial at night, which was illegal in this time. They, they shouldn't have been having this trial, but they did. The Pharisees were just doing what they wanted to do. And Peter follows at a distance. The very man who says, I'll die with you, Jesus, is now following at a distance. And you can read this in, in, in Matthew 23. And he's following at a distance going, okay, what's going on here? And Jesus is left all by himself to go through the darkest hours of his life on earth. And I don't know where you're at today, but you might be at that darkest hour of your life on this earth. And I want to tell you that there's hope. There's hope. And that's what today's message is all about. It's about hope. Jesus has tried. He's beaten beyond recognition and is nailed to a Roman cross with two thieves, leaving all of his followers thinking, this didn't turn out the way I thought. You were supposed to be on a throne, not a cross. You were supposed to be in the temple sitting on this throne, not hanging on a cross, beaten beyond recognition. This didn't turn out the way we thought. And then Jesus forgives those who nailed him there as they're doing it. The story picks up in Luke chapter 23, verse 32 through 43. Let's read it together. It says, two other men, both criminals, were also led with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and another on his left. And that's why we have three crosses up there. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. They were basically drawing straws to get his clothes, which is a fulfillment of a prophecy. I want to ask you here, how hard is it to forgive somebody when they're hurting you? How hard is it to forgive somebody who's nailing you to a cross? Especially when you didn't do anything wrong. That's, those hurt the worst, right? When you get accused of something and you know you're innocent, you've ever been there? That's a hard thing. When somebody tries to guess your motive or think your motive is wrong and they just crucify you for it. And Jesus is at this point where he is innocent and, and they're nailing him to the cross. And he's just saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. It's so hard to do, but so necessary. 
You see, Jesus lived a perfect life, so it would have been terrible for him to have actually been angry at them and not forgiven him at the very moment of doing the thing that he came to do to die for the things he came to die for. And he is practicing what he had been preaching. Father, forgive them, for they do not what they were doing. So as the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him, the ones that he had kind of been put into shame now, they think they have the last laugh. And they said, well, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. His own people did not believe he was the Messiah. Again, they were thinking conquering king, military ruler, overthrow Rome. They had no idea there was a kingdom much bigger than the kingdom of Rome. And that was the kingdom of darkness that Jesus was overthrowing. Because Rome would come and go, but the kingdom of darkness, okay, the things going on that we can't see last forever, eternity is real, guys. Heaven and hell are real. That's what the beauty of Easter is, is hell is a real place, and Jesus doesn't want you to go there. Why else would he have left the comfort of heaven to come down and die for a bunch of people who probably wouldn't appreciate it anyway? Think about that. He left the comfort of heaven to come down. So he's getting mocked. The soldiers also came and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar, and they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. See, there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Now we're turning this corner just a little bit here. We talk about the criminals. We don't know what their names are. It says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. So they were close enough together that they could talk. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are being punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, he looked at him, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Let's talk about this for a moment. You see, there's people watching, people mocking. Jesus is feeling left out. He's feeling betrayed. And I want to tell you something, that he was fully God, yet fully man. He was in a man's body, so he felt emotion. He, he felt pain. It wasn't like he was going through this whole thing going, yeah, this is great. I get to die for people. This is wonderful. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any other way, can you show me? Because I really don't want to go through this. I really don't want this pain. I really don't want to get beaten. I really, I really don't want to die on a cross. But I will. I will. He says, not my will, but your will be done. So we know this emotional state. He wasn't excited about what was happening. And I want you to think about this for a moment. As he was abandoned by those who promised to stick with him to the end. Those who said, we will die with you. All of a sudden they're off and they're gone. And not only that, Peter denied Jesus three times that he even knew who he was. And the Bible says that Jesus made eye contact with Peter after Peter said, I don't even know this guy. And the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered what Jesus said, and Peter just started bawling and ran out of the city. Jesus, again, his words came to pass. But I want you to think about what Jesus is going through here. He was forsaken by his friends, forsaken by his disciples, forsaken by people who said they would never forsake him. And now he feels forsaken by his own father. Because he looks up to heaven, he says, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says, even God has turned away from me. Something that I don't believe that he saw coming. He felt completely deserted at this time, completely abandoned by those who said they wouldn't. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there today. Maybe you feel like you've just been abandoned by everybody who's promised to be there and they haven't. The Bible says that Jesus <clears throat> tells us he will never leave us and never forsake us. You need to know you have a friend in Jesus. That Jesus loves you. He understands what you're facing, understands what you're going through. 
So Jesus' darkest hour just got darker when he looks to heaven and says, Father, have you forsaken me too? And he's hopeless, okay, or feels hopeless anyway. He's not hopeless, but he feels hopeless. But something happens that I had never thought about this week as I was praying about the scripture and, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak something to me that I had never seen before, even though I've read the story of the Bible my entire life. I saw something that I had never seen before. Now, we don't know anything about these two thieves, but we do know something about their hearts. We'll call thief number one. He's a mocker. Okay, he is going to die. He is nailed to a cross and he is mocking Jesus. If you're the son of God, save us. And then we got thief number two. I'm not gonna name thief number one because thief number one's a jerk, basically. And so I thought if I name him, there's gonna be somebody in the church who has the same name as I pull out of the hat of thief number one. They're gonna leave the church and think I'm targeting them because I know a little bit about their life. I really don't. He's gonna die. But thief number two, we'll call him Jacob. I Googled most common Jewish boy names, all right? And Jacob was one of them. So we'll call, we'll call him Jacob for now. And Jacob's like to the thief, other thief, he's like, dude, shut up. He said, we deserve this. We, we were sinners, man. We were thieves and we knew what we were doing was wrong. We knew where it could lead and we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man right here, he's done nothing wrong. Somehow he must've known a little bit about Jesus. Maybe he saw him from a distance, but this thief does something extraordinary that I never saw before. And he says this, Jesus, remember Jesus felt abandoned by everybody, including his father. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Not if you come into your kingdom, but remember me when you come into your kingdom. What, what was the thief really saying? He's saying, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you're Messiah. And he, the thief wasn't like, hey, everybody abandoned you, but I believe in you. No, he was just pouring out his heart saying, I believe in you. You, well, you are the king of, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Will you just remember me, Jesus, please? He didn't say, I want to go with you. He didn't say, forgive me of my sins. He, he just said, will you remember me? And I, I believe, and as again, I was praying about this. I felt like the Holy Spirit said that, that to Jesus, that was a moment of hope. That was a moment of somebody believes in me. When everybody else abandoned me, even like I felt like my father did, I got a thief who said, I believe in who you are. Isn't it amazing when somebody tells us what they believe about us, it's good like they look at us and say, man, I believe in you. You have a purpose. You have a reason. You have a destiny. And I, will, I am here to tell you every Sunday, every Wednesday night that God has a purpose for you. He has a destiny. Don't give up. Don't give up. You might feel like you're in a dark hour right now. And I get to be the thief that's hanging on the cross and saying, hey, I believe in you. Why do I believe it? Because God believes in you. You are not here by accident. God has a purpose for your life. So when you go through that dark stuff, you need to take one more step. You need to take, you need to not give up. You need to keep pressing on, keep going, keep believing. And now we should have played Journey. I didn't think about that first service, but hey, I'll tell it in third service too. It'd be good. Maybe we could cue that. My son's running sound. He probably will all of a sudden play this song. Uh, we get in on that. It's a pretty good song, but don't stop. Okay? Don't stop believing. It's a great song. It really is. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. I really think so, right? Because how many Christians has it inspired to keep going? How many men has it inspired to keep chasing that woman that will not be caught? Uh, probably keep going. He gets this un encouragement from the most unlikely source there was. I believe you are who you say you are. Is it possible in this moment of darkness and despair that the thief's words did something to Jesus? And again, guys, as I was praying about this, I felt that the answer was yes. That there was some hope inspired by this guy who didn't even mean to. 
Like he, he knew like I'm, I am nailed to this cross hours away from my self-inflicted death in eternity in hell. And, and I, and I happened to be crucified the same day as the savior of the world right next to him because crucifixions happened all the time and he got to be placed right next to Jesus and so did the other thief so there was there was two choices that could be made one just humiliated Jesus and the other one believed in him see there's nothing like having someone truly believe in you especially in those moments of doubt that we have as humans and what did that do for Jesus in this dark emotional state I really believe it had to inspire him I tell you that to tell you this, that don't ever think that your past disqualifies you from making a difference today. If anybody would have been disqualified, it would have been the thief on the cross dying for his sins. But somehow, some way he was used by God to give encouragement to Jesus. And Jesus said, I think Jesus probably went, you believe? And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. And in heaven, we get to meet this guy, and I played this scene over in my head. Here's how I think it's going to go. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to meet Jesus. And Jesus is going to go, hey, it's dad, I good to see you. Hey, so have you met my brother, Jacob? Jacob was the guy that, that inspired me on the cross. And Jacob's like, no, Jesus, man, oh, I'm just, man, I was just reaching out, brother. And I don't know if it sounds like that, but, but there's this dialogue. And, and Jesus would be like, you meet Jacob? He, he, he gave me hope when everybody else seemed to have abandoned me. Jacob was the one that believed in me. And Jacob was like, no, man, I was going to go to hell and you saved me. Jesus, in the last moment, you saved me. That's just how I played it out in my mind. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think it probably will. We're going to meet this thief. And he's, he's the one that got saved at the last moment possible. He was like the buzzer beater. Anybody see the Gonzaga ending last night? I saw, I saw the last minute. And that's it. We were working on an engine and Travis was like, hey, it's an overtime. So we come in and we had him follow Gonzaga all year long. And we're high-fiving. Yeah, why? Because everybody likes to win. Like, I mean, we like Gonzaga, but we're not avid followers. We're not followers at all, actually, because we didn't. that's the first game we watched that they played. All right. But we love those wins. We love the last second buzzer beater. And that is really what happened with Jesus. And with this thief, that Jesus just saved this guy in his sins. He didn't say, wow, man, Jacob, dude, I'm sorry, man. You, you did way too much. Man, if you would have repented like a week ago, everything would be cool. But man, it's a little too late. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus did not bring up his past. He brought up his future. Why? Because Jacob just simply believed that Jesus was who he said he was. Isn't that a cool story? Like we get to spend eternity with people that just make it. And those are the wins. Those are the ones. Don't ever be disappointed that somebody gives their life to Jesus. Amen. All right. And Jesus is like, gets to heaven. He's like, this didn't turn out the way I thought. He's like, I thought I was going to burn. This is great. In verse 44 through 45, it says this. It says, um, there it, is. it was now the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. Jesus dies. Everyone goes home. Crazy things happen, okay? Jesus gets put in this tomb and is sealed up in the darkness. And the disciples are like, this didn't turn out the way I thought. But like a caterpillar that goes into a cocoon, something is going on in the darkness that you don't know about. For one, Jesus wasn't actually in the tomb anymore. His body was, but the Bible says that his spirit went to, to Abraham's bosom, went to the afterlife, and he preached for three days to the spirits that were in some sort of prison there. 
My uncle Steve pastored in, in California for many years. He used to say this. He said, if you think it's hopeless, just wait three days. If you think it's hopeless, just wait three days. See, what appeared to be dead was only dormant. What we're seeing going on in Idaho right now where the trees look dead, they're not always dead. Sometimes they're just dormant. And there are things that are going on in your life now that they look dead, but they're just dormant. They are going to come back to life. The problem was perspective. Disciples had in their mind how it was all supposed to go down, and they were wrong. See, how they really believed, they'd have been hanging out on the third day. They'd have went, hey, Jesus, remember he said he was going to come back on the third day, come back to life, because they saw him do all these miracles so many times, heal so many people, see his words come to pass. And yet this one, they thought, well, he's done. I guess he wasn't the Messiah, because if you read ahead, they're like, we thought he was the Messiah, and now he's hanging on a cross, right? Didn't conquer Rome like we thought. Didn't turn out the way I thought. They'd have been hanging out, waiting like Roman soldiers, you got just wait because the show's about to happen. He's going to come out of that group. They'd have been eating popcorn. They had it back then. Uh, they'd have been doing stuff like, this is going to be great. But they weren't. They were locked in a room hiding. Why? Because they didn't believe. It seems like the only people that believed were the two thieves at this point because one's burning in hell and realized that Jesus was the Messiah and he rejected him. The other one is bouncing around and going, yeah, this is great. Two perspectives. You ever left a game that appeared to be hopeless only to find out later there was a comeback? You ever done that where you shut the TV off and all of a sudden somebody calls you up and you see the score of your next day and you're like, what? Wait, how, what? And you feel like you missed out. You ever, who's ever done that? Who's left a game and then you, you know, a lot of you sad people here are like, I missed it. And you missed out on something. That's what this was. Yeah. yeah, that's what this was. This is the same thing. People thought it was over. See, in their perspective, they saw pain. But in eternity's perspective, there was a plan. And through your pain, God has a plan. So you need to keep going. See, something was going on in the darkness they knew nothing about. And I think this can be the same for us as it doesn't end this way. And you need to have this perspective of what you're facing as it doesn't end this way. Some things can only be developed in the darkness. Remember 35 millimeter film? Yeah. Oh, distant memory. Yeah, that's all digital kids have no idea what that is. It was developed in the darkness. What you see isn't always what is. And there's more to your story. You need to know there's more to your story. God's doing things in the darkness that you know nothing about. Your responsibility is to be obedient. Just be obedient. See, it had to happen this way. Just because it's dark does not mean God is not doing something. Something was going on in that tomb that nobody had any idea about, and it was going to get busted open in the right time. It had to happen the way it happened, and that's why Easter is a celebration and not a sad memory. We celebrate Easter because Jesus came out of that grave Three days later, after a perceived defeat, he wins. He wins, and God always wins. Not to set us free from a worldly government from sin. I'm sorry, a worldly government, but from sin. And I will tell you that it's not over till God says it's over. And this is why we don't have to be afraid of what's going on in our world. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff going on. The more I watch the news, the more I remind myself of the National Enquirer when I was a kid at the checkout line. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of garbage. That's what it is garbage they just feed you trash they feed you trash they feed you trash they feed you what what they think you need to eat and to keep you in fear that's what the world does i looked this morning on the news because i don't go over there very often i wanted to see if there was anything on easter not a thing you can read a lot of covid stuff but there's not a thing on easter there's not anything about jesus coming back why because the news does not have your best interest in mind they want to keep you in bondage and fear well, the Bible says, you know, the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth of, of the word of God is, is that we win. And it says that the world, guys, is going to go crazy toward the end. When, before Jesus comes back, it says right will be called wrong and wrong will be called right. Don't see any of that in the world today, but it's coming. <laughs> right? No, we see all kinds of backward stuff. Right? We see all kinds of backward stuff. 
we have to understand the Bible is just coming to pass. Don't be afraid. It's coming to pass. The biggest thing is, is you need to get your heart right with Jesus if it's not. Make sure that you are right with Jesus today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this. If you would, if you just bow your head with me, this is a simple prayer, a simple thing that you have a choice today. There's three crosses and there's three choices. Jesus chose to die for us. And then there's two crosses on each side of him. And and one of those is you. One of you, one of the decisions is, I don't really believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And the other one was, man, I'm a sinner and I seriously need a savior. Jesus, if it's possible, could you forgive me? And that Jesus says, absolutely is possible. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus before, or maybe you did when you were a kid and you were so far from God, you just want to come back. Here's how I like to do it. I like you just to lift your hand up. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you in any way, but if that's you, if you need to give your life to Jesus today or give your life back to Jesus, would you just acknowledge that? Just lift your hand up real quick where I can see it. I'd love just to pray with you, okay? All right, I see hands up all over this place. All right, and here's how we do it at our church family, okay? We just pray as a church family. I'll lead you in a prayer. And if you mean it, Jesus will forgive you and come into your life right at the very moment you ask him to forgive you and you get to spend eternity in heaven. So let's pray it together. Church family, just, just follow after me. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You just got saved. Amen. 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 Best decision, best decision you'll ever make. Okay. Heaven and hell hangs in the balance. And Jesus made it so easy for us to give our lives to him. Like I said, it's it's harder to buy a gun in California than it is to give your life to Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. Right? There's no waiting period. He forgives you the moment you ask. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Steve, you come up and give us some direction. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you.